listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another installment of Special Reports. This is Bob Ambrogi, a uh, host for the Legal Talk Network and host of the uh, Lawyer to Lawyer show on the Legal Talk Network. And we are on location today at the Clio Cloud Conference at the beautiful Radisson Blue Aqua Hotel in Chicago, Illinois. And joining us today is my old friend, Mark Britton. Mark is the founder of AVO and uh, the CEO of AVO. He's a member of the board for Orbits Worldwide and the Board of Regents for Gonzaga University. Is that right? I am. Pleasure to be here, Bob. Uh, among his many other prestigious positions, he's been the Senior Vice President, General Counsel, and Secretary for Expedia, as well as a Senior Counsel and Attorney Advisor for the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. You know, I never knew that. You didn't? Well, well welcome, I have all Mark. sorts of stories to tell. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, Bob. I'm sure you have lots of stories. Uh, Mark, you spoke today about customer service and a law firm. What's the most important advice you gave in your talk today? What don't lawyers understand about customer service? Well, I think you have to start from a more macro approach that, you know, lawyers run businesses. And I think as part of the law school educational process, we're taught to be great legal technicians. But when it comes to understanding and being students of business principles, lawyers really stumble. And in fact, there's, this came out during my speech repeatedly that when you start looking into business principles like customer service and what goes into customer service, Lawyers are afraid because it's not an innate part of their education. It's not an innate part of what they do every day. Even where they, how they perceive them as perceive themselves as being strong, they think, "Well, God, I'm a strong lawyer. I understand these elements of the law." But when it comes down to picking up the phone and understanding whether my client is happy or sad, that's hard for me. And that came out loud and clear from the feedback during my speech. If we drill down to a micro level, the key is that it's all about listening and communicating with your customers. Lawyers are excellent listeners and communicators when they're dealing with a judge or opposing counsel or even their co-counsel because they can, it's almost like that high-pitched noise that two dogs communicating, you know, or understanding that level of pitch that they can only hear. But when it comes to actually having that conversation where they're listening and being receptive and caring for their customers, it all kind of breaks down. It's a, it's a bizarre thing. So uh, at a very micro level, it's, it's just communication, like all the other great communication that you do, but doing it in a way that is intentional and systematic so that you can build stronger relationships with your customers. I'm not even sure I accept your premise that lawyers are, tend to be good good listeners, uh, at least in part of their practices. A lot of lawyers I see really aren't. But how, how do they learn that? How can they learn how to do that, especially with regard to their clients? How do they pick up that skill? So here's, I actually agree with you on the listening point. So this is where it breaks down. Again, lawyers, if you give them a series of facts, or if they have to listen to everything a judge or a jury or opposing counsel says, man, they're on it. They will hear every piece of detail. But again, when it becomes the customer, sometimes they write off the customer as far as just saying, you know, this customer has not gone to law school. They don't understand how complex the issues that I'm dealing with for them are. And they almost take on a level of hubris to where, to your point, they stop listening. So I'm a big believer 
that it's all about the intention. You have to realize that you are not the strongest here and you have to build a skill set around that listening. So I talked about a number of ways that you can listen better. And I talked about the intention of feedback loops. So we do this all the time in businesses. We do this all the time in corporations where we measure, we set certain objectives as it relates to how we're trying to make our customers happy. And then we measure against whether we're succeeding in making them happy by actually going out and talking to them and measuring their customer satisfaction. It is very easily done and you don't need expensive consultants, you don't need expensive platforms. There are many ways that you can just gum and paperclip your way into this. But even with that, lawyers simply say, I just don't, it's, it's stressful for me to go back to my clients and understand from them whether they're happy with my services, which from a corporate perspective, you're just like, it makes your head explode. Uh, from a, you know, a company building a brand. But in the legal world, this is something that lawyers, that listening, getting those feedback loops, being intentional about them, very few lawyers are, are as sharp about that type of communication as they are with the sharpness of the courtroom. So specifically, what are you talking about in terms of feedback loops? Are you talking about going out and doing surveys of your clients? Or? I, I think that's one thing that you can do. I, I'm not a huge fan of surveys because even though I get them, even from our existing counsel that we use, you see a lot of big firms using surveys. The problem is it takes away from the personal element. I think you get the best feedback coming from the personal element. However, you know, it's just a question of what works for you and your clients. If you have thousands of clients picking up the phone and chatting with everyone, doesn't really work. So to the extent that you can take a survey to cover them all, okay, that might, be, that might work for you and your practice. However, again, I think that to the extent that you can build feedback loops in an exit interview or in, at the end of a project where you're working with a client, or even if you're running to them running into them and passing regularly to the extent that you can always have that trigger in your brain that is saying, okay, I have an objective to understand whether my customers are happy with my services in these four key areas and making sure that you're actually asking them at the different touch points of their life cycle with you of, are you happy? Did this specific issue that I worked on with you, did that go well? Did it meet your expectations? Or does our representation, more in general, does that meet, uh, did that meet your expectations? And what ultimately you're doing is you're getting feedback, having a conversation that you can actually take action on. I can hear a lot of lawyers out there saying, my clients don't care about being happy. My clients care about being results, and they trust me to deliver those results. And it's not about making them happy. It's about winning at all costs. And what do you say to that? I say that they are probably right in part, but I also would say that uh, there are a lot of cars out there that if you just put four tires on them and a chassis, they will go forward. They will get a certain uh, number of miles down the road. But let's talk about, say, LegalZoom and Rocket Lawyer. These are two massive insurgents that are coming into legal to where a lot of people speak to the do-it-yourself movement. It's really the do-it-without-a-lawyer movement, right? And so the question is, how do lawyers distinguish themselves when their non-lawyers slap it on four tires and a chassis and just pushing it on down the road? Well, you distinguish it through the personal connection, the communication, 
and the great customer service. And again, if you can be intentional, be thoughtful about this stuff, and be a student of these customer service principles, I think it's a very real outcome that these new fangled insurgents really can't compete with you. Is pricing an aspect of customer service, or is that something, is that often its own universe? I mean, when I hear you talk about LegalZoom, I mean, a big part of what's driving people to LegalZoom is this fear that they can't afford a lawyer to handle, and not even a fear, a, a, a real fact in a lot of cases. Uh, so does, does pricing become an element of customer service? Yes. Uh, yes, and I'm going to give you a lawyer answer, yes and no. <laughs> You're but a lawyer, I, that's okay. I, well, I, you know, I just have to be transparent in that, you know, that your perception of how customers react is very real, okay? But I also, I lived it, you know, I, I lived this at Expedia, where when people would come in looking for travel, they would often come in with the idea that all that mattered to them was price. But then, after they spent some time realizing, well, I don't really want a hotel that's under the flight path at the airport, or... I really don't feel like flying in that plane overnight, or I would like a car with more than three tires. Um, that's when they realized that price was not the only consideration, and they actually work through the other variables and end up paying more than they ever expected in the beginning. That's, that's how a lot of travel works. Come in shopping on price, leave shopping on all sorts of other qualitative variables. The exact same thing happens with lawyers. Right, And in fact, there's a great quote that I showed in my presentation from Marketing Profs, which is a great website uh, that helps educate marketing professionals. But Marketing Profs speaks to the idea that most people are not looking for price, right? They are looking for fantastic interactions, fantastic communication. And ultimately, I think when I boil it down to lawyers, they are looking for solutions and great feelings a great, a great sense of uh, trust that is coming out of that relationship with the lawyer. And it's really easy to sell them the incorporation to a paralegal, you know, the, the LegalZoom model of, of, here, for a cheap price, we're going to sell you this very simple transaction. But the more complex the transaction, the more emotion is injected into that equation, and the more emotion you have, the more that people want to interact with people and they want people to care and they want them to be passionate about their case and they want them to understand them. And that's where customer service comes in. Why does it matter ultimately? What, what does customer service mean to the law practice? It, mean, it means humanity. I mean, I think this is where we fall down as lawyers. Again, going back to this hubris that kind of leaks in to where we're like, we're lawyers. We get it all. And so I'm just going to do all this technical lawyer stuff and you're not totally going to know what I'm doing and I'm not always going to answer your call. You know, I might call you back in a couple days and uh, I might leave you confused at times, but that's okay because I'm a lawyer and I'm really busy. That's the equation that is killing the profession. And to the extent that, you know, I don't care what the lawyer thinks about what the customer wants. To the contrary, it's about what the customer wants and they want those human connections. Yeah. But I suppose there's a very practical aspect to it as well. I mean, if you're looking to get referrals, if you're looking to get repeat business, then customer service is critical to that, critical. I would presume. And takes down your acquisition costs exponentially. How, are there ways that you can facilitate that? Are there ways that you can encourage 
and maybe I'm setting you up to plug Avo right now, but are, are there ways that you can facilitate getting the word out about your customer service? How do you get I, your customers to tell other people about this good service that you gave them? I, that is a softball to that Avo. That is a softball but, uh, yeah, to Avo. In, in part. I mean, yeah, so you know, third-party validation is pretty important in this day and age. Yelp has largely taught everyone at this point that getting those reviews is critical to your commercial success. Now, here's the one thing I would say. For lawyers to succeed in this day and age, the number one way to get customers at a lower cost and, and, and to have uh, people talk about your services, which we call word of mouth marketing, is to simply be a great lawyer, okay? Now that sounds somewhat circular, so bear with me. To the extent that you can be a great technician on the one hand, and deliver those solutions, and deliver that sense of, of trust and great experience. If you can deliver that in a very uh, uh, packaged way, so that people can turn around and say, I worked with this lawyer and she was amazing. She understood me, she understood my case, she tirelessly worked on it, she was a great communicator to me, and ultimately the solution was amazing. That is the most viral depth charge that you can ask for for that person going out and telling others. What tends to hem that in a little bit is that to the extent that people get a DUI or their silicon breast implants are leaking or you know, these are the things that people don't like to talk about right. at work or even tell their friends or yeah. their family. And so you have to go to those other areas like Avo, like Yelp, um, which would be the two biggest by, you know, exponentially larger than anything else that's out there from a review standpoint, to where people are willing to tell the story in a little more anonymous setting. And that's why client reviews have become so fundamentally important to the part of the lawyer purchase process. Because people are looking for that third-party validation to say, okay, everything I see about this lawyer's background looks great to me, but wow, look what all of these people have to say about them as well. It increases the probability that you're going to have a successful outcome with that lawyer. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm 100% with you on that. I'm a great believer in the idea that that kind of consumer feedback is really critical in the legal market these days. Uh, what else did you talk about today that I haven't asked you about? Well, we talked a little bit about Avo, but I won't go into a big Avo pitch. I, you know, what's, beauty about, uh, what's beautiful about Clio. I mean, I, I feel that there are only a couple of companies that are out there that are really pushing the conversation forward as it relates to that intersection of maybe three-way intersection of great lawyering, business, and technology. And Clio is absolutely one of them. I think they're truly changing the way that lawyers uh, deliver great customer service in their communication with them during the representation. What's great about that is, similar to our Lawyernomics conference, it, a bunch of people, a bunch of lawyers who are like-minded come to conferences like this, and so they get a platform like Avo immediately. I mean, many of our, so we have our Lawyernomics conference, a quick plug on that. That is April 13th and 14th at the Wynn in Las Vegas this year. Um, that's become a very big conference. And I think and I'm going to be there this you year, are? so we'll awesome. see you there. Awesome. So we have a lot of overlap between the two conferences and a lot of people end up just really asking me about 
what are the different technology elements that are driving the profession forward? Is it reviews or cloud or electronic discovery or, you know, there are all these pieces. And so we spent a lot of time in my session simply talking about those companies and those systems that are, that are driving the legal profession forward to make, I mean, ultimately what we're trying to do here is let lawyers do what they love and that's practice law. And we can give them a lot of business principles. We can give them platforms that make them much more efficient in getting up to speed on all the way from the front end to the marketing to all the way the back end, which is your CRM and, and customer relationship management. You've mentioned lawyeronomics. What else might be coming up from Avo over the next year or two? We have all sorts of stuff going on. Um, you can tell us. Nobody will hear Yeah, it. exactly. Okay, here it comes. Um, so one of the things that we just did is we are our lawyer app. So we, we have this massive question and answer forum. Uh, I don't think that, you know, you're talking about uh, 4 million plus Q&A. I mean, I just don't, I don't know of anyone that has assembled that large of a body of Q&A to where, you know, we get, we're coming up on 8 million visits a month and we have around 175,000 lawyers that regularly participate in AVA. I mean, we have 1.2 million lawyers in the system, but when you think of our power users, uh, about 175,000 of them. And so we have this very liquid question and answer form where anyone can come in for free and ask a question, and then lawyers answer them. And currently, every eight seconds, somebody, a consumer, is getting legal advice through AVA, which is just unbelievable. I mean, it is, a, it is a rate of acceleration that I don't think legal's ever seen. And so, um, with that setup, we, uh, one thing we get from lawyers all the time is them saying to us, we need to have on the go, as part of your Ignite platform, the Avo platform where we transact all our business, we need a better app to get in front of your customers as they're coming in. I mean, we, we send lawyers over 400,000 contacts a month. And so we just released our lawyer side app that you have to play with it, but it is really cool as far as helping the lawyers just be on top of anything that's coming into Avo so that they can start those conversations on the go. And uh, we also, we released a new homepage. Please look at the new homepage. Um, we're also, you're going to see um, us engaging in some of our first national advertising. And so we're doing all Watch sorts of fun. Watch for you at the Super Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody who lived through the 90s, which I was a transactional and dot-com lawyer in the 90s, after you've seen pets.com blow it all <laughs> on one spot, will probably avoid that. But one place we will go, and, and we'll, we'll be chatting more about this in the future, is we're also just, we're getting so much more mobile. And um, we, have a, we have a pilot that's working very well now that, uh, that allows lawyers to, it allows the customer to come in and for a low price, get a lawyer on the phone within 15 minutes to have a 30-minute consultation. We're still testing it, but that, uh, that product's working. It, it blends very well with our Q&A and is working well as well. All right, well, Mark Britton, thank you very much for joining us. It's pleasure always a pleasure, you. Bob. I, I always enjoy spending time with you, but also your Law Sites blog is really heads above the rest. So, Well, extra keep points doing... for giving my blog a plug, No, too. no, but That's keep great. keep doing what you do. You're one of those honest <laughs> brokers as far as, uh, uh, you know, 
you're one of those great communicators in the legal profession. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's good to talk to you. And uh, that wraps up this special report from the uh, Legal Talk Network. Thanks, Bob. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.